This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being. With Arab Health. On Dubai Eye. 103.8. You're listening to Eye on Health, brought to you by Arab Health. Helen Farmer with you here on Dubai Eye 103.8 as we talk about the future of healthcare. What role does technology play? Speaking now to Dr. Faisal from the University Hospital Sharjah, he was one of the first doctors to use AI to detect colon cancer. On today's Eye on Health, we are talking about the future of healthcare and joined now by Dr. Faisal Abid from University Hospital Sharjah. He's a consultant gastroenterologist and technology plays a huge role in his work. He's one of the first doctors who's used AI on colostomy patients and investigating polyps, a trial AI system that was first introduced in his native UK. Dr. Faisal, for a bit of context, are you able to tell us about prevalence of colon cancers in men and women? And, and even if we have the data on specific to the Middle East? Yes, um... So colon cancer is actually um, the third commonest cancer in men and is the second commonest cancer in women uh, worldwide. Now, uh, this, um, uh, the, the incidence is less in, in, in the UAE or in the, in the Gulf region, but still it is, when you pull the data together, it is one of the top three cancers in the world. And what do we know about causation of colon cancer? How much of it is genetic, hereditary, and how much can be linked to lifestyle? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, there is a genetic link. Obviously, if there's a family history of uh, colon cancers or polyps. So polyps are these benign growths, but some of these polyps can uh, transform into, into cancer. So that's, uh, that will put you at risk of uh, developing cancer later on in life. So, yeah, uh, genetics is definitely up there, but of, as you mentioned, lifestyle uh, is, is right up there as well. So smoking increases, increases the risk of um, colon cancer and diet, in particular diet that is uh, less in fiber will put you at increased risk of um, cancer. There are some studies which show that even consumption of red meat excessively can put you at increased risk of uh, developing colon cancer later on in life. So we should be drinking more water, we should be eating more fibre. What are some of the easiest ways of incorporating fibre into our diet without being there, you know, chugging flaxseed all day, every day? <laughs> yeah, you see, you don't have to do that. I think uh, if we somehow introduce more fruit and veg in our diet, um, you don't have to be very strict and have five pieces of fruit and veg. Just whatever is easy for you, you know, even if you can manage two or three, I think that's a good start. But water is very, very important. It's not tea or coffee, it's actually water because coffee and tea can have an opposite effect. It can actually make you pass more water and eventually you become more dehydrated. Mm -hmm. So it's specifically water, not just any drinks. Especially in this region, we want to be avoiding those diuretics and just make sure that we are, we are glowing and, uh, as you say weeing lots but in the best possible way so when it comes to colon cancers um there are some signs and symptoms that people do need to be mindful of what would be a cause for concern and would end up coming to see a consultant such as yourself dr Faisal? okay i think this is a very very important question because sometimes people uh sit on their symptoms for too long so so to speak uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you're right. I mean, you, you have the other extreme as well, where you know something happened and within a day or so, um, um, patient will turn up to their doctor. But uh, certainly, if anyone has noticed any change in bowel habit, which uh, has lasted for more than four weeks, 
Now, when I say changing bowel habit, so if someone suffers from constipation and they've suffered all their life from constipation, that's not classed as a new change in bowel habit. But all of a sudden, if they start having uh, diarrhea, which is not uh, usual to them, and that persists for more than four weeks, then certainly that's the time to see a doctor. The other very important um, sign and symptom that you need, you need to be aware of is passing blood in your poop. So that is always classed as an alarm symptom. So if you notice anything like that, uh, please again, don't sit on it. Uh, it's a common uh, assumption. Sometimes people just think it's because of hemorrhoids or piles or something like that that's doing that, which may be the case, but you have to make sure that you are not missing anything higher up in, in, in the colon. So those two are the, you know, the key symptoms, but even things like abdominal pain or unexplained weight loss that you cannot attribute, or sometimes, you know, I just say something, it's your gut feeling. If you feel something is not right, it's lasting for too long, go and seek help. Because we all know our own bodies. We, I mean, I, I don't normally like using the word normal because there's obviously such a huge range of that. But we know what's normal to us. So if there are any of those red flags, anyone listening today, and I understand there's an embarrassment factor when we're talking about the bottom area, the trouser area, as my dad would call it. But you and your colleagues, I'm sure, um, at University Hospital Charger and, and clinics and hospitals across the UA have seen it all. There'll be very little embarrassment on your part, I'm sure, if any, after decades in the business. So it's, it's so, so important to be investigating. And I think for many people, what I'd really like to do is demystify what would happen um, should you come in to see a consultant such as yourself and how technology is playing a role in perhaps making things more efficient and more accurate. So if someone's coming in with some of these symptoms and they do require a colonoscopy, what, what actually happens during that procedure and what excitingly has uh, been developed recently? Okay, so um, colonoscopy basically is an examination of the colon, as the, as the name suggests. Um, but yeah, you're right, there are a lot of myths around this procedure and uh, everyone is different, you know? So don't rely on what people tell you. Some people will, and especially it's people who have had uh, a bad experience, they will probably tell you more about how bad that experience was. But there are a lot of people who actually um, feel very little or just it's a little bit of um, discomfort more than anything. Uh, the procedure doesn't take very long. It, you know, it varies depending on the experience of the um, endoscopist. Uh, but in general, we say it, it, it can take anywhere from 15 to, to 30 minutes. And the important thing with colonoscopy is because it's your colon, we have to give you bowel preparation the day before the procedure to clear your bowel out. Now that's very important because again, sometimes people don't realize they continue to eat because um, you can't eat. You, you know, you, can, you stop eating the day before, you drink plenty of fluid and, the, and then the medications that have been prescribed to you. Um, uh, but, the, the, and again, you know, there are ways to do it. You can have uh, sedation, which is just, you know, just making you a bit sleepy. So, you, you, you know, you don't feel uh, any pain or significant discomfort. Um, there's something called this deep sedation where they, the anesthetist uh, will make you feel sleepy to the point that you wouldn't even remember anything. Uh, and then there are some brave people out there who, you know, prefer not to have anything. Uh, and I'm not recommending that. It's up to individuals because if you think you've got a high pain threshold, you don't want to have the side effects of any of the medications given, then, you know, fair enough. But in general, we have got ways to cater to individual needs, depending on whether you want uh, deep sedation, whether you want no sedation. Um, and going on to your second question about the advances, so there's something called this AI, as you've mentioned, which is artificial intelligence. Uh, the whole aim, and I'll 
I'll, I'll really touch on this subject because it's important, um, as you mentioned. Um, the, uh, the risk of colon cancer is higher in people who have history of polyps or family history of polyps. The normal sequence, uh, so one of these polyps is called adenoma, and the normal sequence is adenoma carcinoma. So carcinoma is the word for cancer. So that's the normal sequence. It doesn't have to be like that all the way, but if, so imagine a test that can pick up cancer early. And that's the key to diagnosing any cancer. You need to pick the cancer up early so that you can pretty much eradicate it. Uh, and uh, colonoscopy is considered the gold standard to diagnose bowel cancer. Uh, but how do you standardize uh, colonoscopy? Because you have endoscopies of you know, different experiences through, you know, mm. the, throughout the world. Um, how do you standardize that? You know, uh, the human factor, which is, uh, you know, if you're tired, if you, uh, you know, mind is fatigued, you've got something going on, you're stressed, you know, you're bound to feel, you know, you might not give you 100%. So artificial intelligence has got a role there where what it does, it standardizes a procedure. So um, in some areas of the colon, the risk of cancer is high, so it won't make you look at that area in more detail and again if it finds any abnormality it will highlight so there's a green box that will pop up and it will show you that this area needs um, looking into more detail so it's basically a collaboration between mm. man and um, uh, machine not like terminator uh, more, more like a collaboration I think that's a really important point to stress that you know we do yeah. need this human aspect when it comes to dealing with medicine, but there are so many ways that they can assist, they can complement. Um, and as you say, you know, human errors happen, and that might be through fatigue, it might be through you know thinking of this being a very routine examination, perhaps being a bit lackadaisical and, and, and overconfident in some ways. So what this is really doing is improving the accuracy, improving how efficient this time is spent while being examined and ultimately catching more cancers earlier because you know as you say regardless of the type of cancer that early prevention that early treatment whatever that treatment might look like is so so key um what are your predictions for the future um do you feel like we could be seeing more of this and if so what what area would you like it to be exploring yeah i i think this is the way forward um uh, it, it's still, you, you know, among um, colleagues, um, it's still something which is classed as a taboo because it's, you know, uh, people feel like that this is something that might take over. Um, you know, the, you might not need any more doctors, but it actually it's not that. As I said, you know, it's basically a collaboration. You're standardizing your examination, your findings. So, you know, as you said, it's about ensuring diagnostic accuracy. It's about efficiency. It's about in the long run, cost effectiveness. It's, you know, mm. putting all those things together. And I think, it, it, you know, they're, they're, if you look at uh, the projects that are ongoing at the moment, uh, there are quite a few actually in the Southeast uh, Asia at the moment. They're, 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 there's a software called Cerebro, there's something called as um, Endo uh, Angel, and then there's something called as Endo Brain. So all these softwares, this is all, this is all artificial intelligence. And the, they're trialing them out. So remember that it's important that we have validated studies to demonstrate that these um, uh, softwares or the computer-based uh, or computer-assisted diagnostics actually work. And so far, the data is very, very encouraging. And I think any patient really would, I hope, welcome the opportunity to help advance this um, 
this movement going forward. And I wonder if years to come we'll look back and go, do you remember 2020 when we weren't using AI for certain detection? And it's a, a really exciting time and really exciting. It's happening here in the UAE with you, Dr. Faisal. So thank you so much for your time today. Really, really interesting. And uh, as we've been saying, prevention better than cure. Uh, so keep drinking your water, people. It's getting hot outside. And uh, thank you again, Faisal. I really appreciate your time today. No, thank you very much. Wonderful to hear about the real-life applications of some of this technology and how it can ultimately affect the outcome of so many people's lives. Up next, we're talking robots. Eye on Health on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Arab Health, uniting the healthcare communities through business and education.